to the truth in us art. I am your host Rob Lee, and today I'm pleasure. I have the pleasure of being in conversation with an award-winning artist born in Russia, uh, mostly uh, known mostly for her original oil paintings of interiors. She is also the founder of Create exclamation point on that one, <laughs> a magazine and art queens. Please welcome Kat Popova. Welcome thank, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. I, I am as well. I mean, it, it's like I'm speaking with like art royalty in some some regards. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. It's like, did, I, I didn't put on a tie or anything. What Aww. are we doing? <laughs> thank I just, you. Let's have my like, dusty Carhartt shirt on. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. No, and I, have, I am so excited about what you're doing and I have so much respect for your project and thank I'm you. very honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's that is great. And um, so I, I want to open up with something that's either super stressful or super inviting for folks, uh, <laughs> you know, not to go too, too deep into it, because, you know, some people say, hey, I can give you all 40 years of my life. But if you will, could you um, share the your, your story with us, please? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely could take <laughs> hours. But to condense the story, um, I've, I was born in Russia, like you said, and I have always been interested in art, something that I used to, you know, process my day as a kid. I would like journal after a museum visit. Um, and I always love to make things with my hands. And in 2001, my mom and I moved to America, um, to a small town in the middle of nowhere. There's literally a baseball field and a gas station. That's all that was there. Um, and it just kind of stayed with me because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any really, we didn't have money, so I didn't have any toys or anything, so I just made art. Um, and long story short, I pursued it, thanks to my high school art teacher, Wendy Hall. She pushed me to keep going. Uh, and yeah, and then the other part of the story is that, of course, as you know, <laughs> being a creative <laughs> is not this perfect fairy tale. It was a lot of bumps along the road. Um, and the rest of the journey has been just figuring out what works, how can I support myself while also supporting my community, mm -hmm. uh, and maintaining both my art practice and eventually building a business. So, um, yeah, that's like the past decade-ish, <laughs> the past 30, 35 years of <laughs> insanity. Yeah, I'm coming up on like 14 years of podcasting and, yeah, it, being able to connect in for a long time, not really identifying with the idea of artists or creative or anything in that sort of vein, but coming from that as a background and, you know, painting murals when I was a kid and, you know, when you're, you're younger, you have no sense of any of the, ah, this might suck or people might not like it or I might not have money to pay for whatever. And yes. now kind of revisiting it with, uh, I think, a sort of creative sensibility, those bumps in the road don't feel as bad, but they, you still recognize them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about the bumps is that the fear that we have around them when they're happening or when we're facing it, and then realizing all the opportunities and options that we have when we look back, we realize like, oh, there was a way, you know, there obviously was a way we resolved it up until this point, so. <laughs> I love it. So you, you mentioned having like, um, like a, a teacher back in the day that was very supportive in you pursuing art. What sorts of influences do you have? Like who, the who and the what when it comes to the influences? Well, the first influence I will say has been an iconic sort of staple in my life. This woman who was my first art teacher in Russia, we went to Sunday art classes and I just remember she had such a striking appearance. She had long black, like pitch black raven hair. She always wore like purplish fuchsia lipstick and she always wore these beautiful scarves and like you couldn't miss her. You know, she had a presence and she wasn't like this... 
she was very encouraging, but in a very kind of strict, you know, Russian way where she would push you and show you examples of different artists and techniques. Mm -hmm. And that was like the highlight of my week. You know, we all like revered her and feared her, but she was such an amazing woman. And when I moved, um, I didn't meet my other art teacher until high school so sure. there was kind of a gap between that like supportive figure um, but Wendy Hall she would she knew I didn't have a lot of resources she would give me free paint she would like sneak in <laughs> tubes of acrylic um, she's retired now so she's okay <laughs> she won't get in trouble um, but she you know she encouraged me she submitted my work to contests kind of like you know behind my back and that was always so encouraging and eventually I started to believe like hey maybe there's something there for me so That's yeah great. yeah it's That's good great. to have that person that that you know roots for you and encourages you yeah, I was I was very close to going into comics actually. As a result, uh, I was one of those students, and I've mentioned on this podcast before. But one of those students who I would rush through my test to get that B so I can draw for the rest of the class. <laughs> and I used to draw like X Men and things of that nature. And I was working on my own comic book, and I was doing like all of the things right. And it, and it was like coloring, writing, all of the stuff. And I remember um, I had this this drawing I was doing, and the teacher took it from me and threw it away. And I was like, what? So when I'm working on the comic, and she walks by, I was like, look, man, we might have to get into a fight. You're not taking my comic. Like, <laughs> this is a thing. And she looked at it, and she was like, I want to see you after class. And I was like, sure. And she was just like, obviously, you are interested and you're talented in this area. And she was like, let me, um, she laminated it for me and kept it from getting protected, it, if you will, which was a juxtaposition to what it was previously. And really, you know, telling the other uh, um, teachers there and all, like, this guy has this kid, rather, you know, has some talent. How can we move that along? And even the same thing in high school when I was writing and, you know, having upbringings, those things are kind of baked into what we do, right? And I wrote this short story, short story about an experience I had living in the projects and an experience that I witnessed. And I was very young. I was like maybe five or six. And it was like a very like unsavory sort of story. But I wrote it. She was like, oh, my God, this is great fiction. I was like, no, no, that's real. That happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> so having like, the you know, those teachers, those people are around you when you're young to kind of give you that nudge. You know, that's something I think that's foundational. Absolutely. And I love that your teacher kind of created this archival piece for you. Like you said, the opposite of throwing it away or like punishing you for doing something that you love and just recognizing like that is I feel like to me, that's a good educator, someone who yeah. shows you how to treat your creative work and makes you appreciate it yourself. So it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of creating something and it not always being perfect to get it out there. And if you need to adapt it or if you need to redo it, it's like, oh, you know, like I'm working on a web comic, right? And the art is fine. Like I'm writing it and I've hired an artist. I'm like, I may redo it, same story, but with a different artist. And I, I still think both are valid, right? So f when you encounter work that isn't perfect or, you know, from, from your eye and being in the industry, what are your feelings around like imperfect work and like the idea of perfection, chasing perfection? Mm, that's like my favorite thing ever because <laughs> I absolutely am not a perfectionist and that's my strength. The reason why I'm even here is because I'm able to produce things and let go. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is scary. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of fear when you make something and you're like, okay, this could be better. In my mind, my vision is so much grander than what, what came out. But that's how my first business started. I made a magazine in like a 
draft Word document. <laughs> and then, like, like you said, I went back and then I polished it and I learned some new skills and then I was able to get a budget and hire a designer. So I think it's key to create that scrappy first draft and then work on it versus like thinking you're going to create your masterpiece and, you know, and that's it. But I think everything we do is in a way a work in progress, right? So I always encourage, like, you know, I'm a coach, so my clients, usually artists, they are so afraid of putting out that thing and I'm yeah. like, just, you have to put it out. You're never going to move past this if you don't. And of course, when I look back on my own work, I see everything that can be better, mm-hmm. always. But at the same time, like, I can't improve on it unless I kind of like establish a point. You know what I mean? They're like little markers on a timeline almost. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things I'm looking at and I'm, I'm eager, but also I'm like, I don't know. You know, so I want to go back and look at through the, the archive of, what almost 500 episodes at this point and see like which ones do I want to redo like which ones (laughs) I was like that did not go well or I wasn't as good of an interviewer as I've like progressed into now and really asking better more formed questions and hopefully this won't be an example this is going to be just just (laughs) on point just on point but uh yeah I I I think that that's really important to to share it and really kind of think about like what one is doing so in, in doing this and looking at it, it's like I'm, you know, when we're doing this, like I don't, I don't really like like film the podcast. I don't really do some of that stuff because you know you want to show your process, you want to show what goes into it, so people understand it. That's a contribution to the community. Yeah. But at this, you know, to show them that this is how it's done, this is the behind the the end product. But at the same time, it's like you know this is collaborative anything can go in any direction and i think sometimes people don't get that yeah absolutely and one of my favorite things that jerry saltz the art critic said he said like what is an artist's favorite piece that they made the next one and i think that's why we do what we do because we're curious and it's almost about the chase of that like perfect episode or perfect book or perfect painting and i think that's what makes us keep going back and i also think it's really important like you said i do have that urge to like re-record everything or (laughs) or like change everything but when I look back on some of those older things, like you have to look at it from like a distance and see like, okay, I feel pride that I showed up and I did it, even though I didn't feel ready or perfect. And also neutrally without judging yourself, notice like, what can I improve next time? And like being in that space in between, like, okay, you're awesome. Like good job for showing up. But then also like, how can we make this better next time? This is informational and it's, it's one of those kind of steps. It's not a stepping stone because that's usually used negatively, but it is something that from a foundational perspective that you're like, oh, okay, this is what I did. Episode one. This is what I'm doing, episode 451. And being able to look at, like, comparatively, like, in an objective sort of way, like, okay, this is how I did. Yeah, I love that. And also, just to kind of piggyback of that, Alicia, who you had on your podcast a few episodes ago, Alicia Puig, my partner, her and I, we wrote our first book. It was that scrappy first draft. It was 80 pages. And then we saw something was in there. People were responding. People were excited. So like, okay, how can we just amplify it? Like, let's just blow this up. And then we made it 300 pages. So that's kind of like the process for me personally. Like, I always kind of test things out and throw them out there. And then if they, if something bites, I'm like, okay, now let's invest time, energy and resources into it. So, so with that, since we're, we're kind of talking about it, uh, talk Tell us about um, founding and creating and Create Magazine, Art Queens. Tell us about that. Um, I have some bullet points in there, but I at least want to start off there. Yeah, it was all part of this 
uh, process of throwing things out, <laughs> seeing mistakes. But the main foundation why I started, I think, like so many of us, is like I was seeing a need in my community. I didn't have anywhere to submit my art when I first graduated, so I was like, okay, what can I do? I didn't have budget to open a gallery space. Uh, you know, I was a freshly graduated <laughs> art student, so I was like, okay, what's the next thing? And I would go. I worked at the mall. I worked at Macy's, and every lunch break, I'd go to Barnes and Noble, and I would always look at books and magazines and things. And that's, I think, that came to me. I'm like, I'm obsessed with print media. Um, and clearly, I had no background in it, but I was just kind of Googled my way through it. <laughs> and from there, you know, years of figuring out how to make that work, eventually we kind of found our flow. And Alicia has been a great part of that too. Um, and then we decided we saw, we saw so many artists, we wrote about so many artists, and we saw ways we can help them. Then we wrote a book. And then eventually I started coaching, you know, almost like almost a decade, like, I would say like seven years later, I became a coach for creatives, and that's how Art Queens was born, specifically in you know, women identifying creatives. But um, I think it's all just been this process of like, how can I figure this out? Kind of documenting what works, yeah. and then sharing it and empowering others with what I learned along the way. That's that's great. Um, I, I worked on a manual in this whole podcast space, and I, I framed it in a way of like, learn from my mistakes because yes. I've made them all. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That's definitely that's yeah. Let me give you a shortcut. Don't do what I did. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You don't have the time. It's <laughs> like, look, I, the gray hairs that I have. No, <laughs> <laughs> same. <laughs> so so in, until I have this this question, I was, and this is this is one that you you won't have because um, I like to send the questions over beforehand. Some people read them, some people don't. But uh, I've been in this recently in my bag, as it were, on this book, um, Death of an Artist. And it's talking about like how creatives and how artists navigate in you know, a world where everyone's a creative and, and not everyone is doing it for you know, certain reasons. And you're going against billionaires and huge budgets and you're just trying to figure it out. So pursuing art isn't always easy. And you know, big business getting in the way and the expectations to be putting out content versus art. And it kind of loses that sort of artisanal, you know, sort of flow with it. It's like, this is timely, this is meaningful, this is impactful, uh, versus you need to do a painting today, make it happen. Uh, how how do you feel artists can succeed with in that sort of climate? And I know it's a huge answer probably. Yeah, that's something I've been really thinking about and I got really fired up about. That's such a good question. Thank you so much for asking that. I think it's important for all of us to reflect and each person is going to have an individual decision about this. Sure. But for me, you know, as I was getting ready for my solo show, which is opening, you know, <laughs> depending on when yeah, this please. comes out, probably close to when it comes out. And I had to, you know, I usually, I love social media. I think it's fun. I find it effortless for me personally, just because I don't think about it. I just record like a little reel and it's not any pressure for me. But when I was making these paintings, I, I couldn't do it. I just, I had to be in the flow. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. It's like, if you're just casually making stuff and you want to make a reel or you just put a camera behind you and ignore it, I think that's healthy sure. because there's so much difference between creating content and then being in the flow and making your best work. You know, you don't want to be thinking about Instagram when you're thinking about like, you know, the idea behind your book or your show. Um, so I think there should be a separation and one does not equal, we all know there's creatives out there with huge followings that aren't necessarily like the most 
you know, whatever. There's, that, that's subjective. Yeah. But there's also people who are so immensely talented and prolific and accomplished that don't even go on social media. So I think, like, in this world, we really have to separate it. That marketing strength has nothing to do with, like, your creative process. Right, right. Um, and, yeah, it is tough. And I think, like, for me, um, when I first graduated, I was so frustrated. And I was, like, blaming um, the institutions that wouldn't hire me or the lack of opportunities. And then one day I just made a commitment to myself, like, even if I – even if it takes me until I'm 90, I'm just committed. I'm going to do everything I can to get like what I want from my work. Yeah. Um, and it has shifted so much, but all these years later, now I'm seeing like the fruits of those seeds that I planted. Um, so I think it's like two things, separating like the social media, the marketing, the career stuff from the actual creative process. That's mm. like the best tip for mental health. Cause then you always have your art. doesn't matter if Instagram shuts down and yeah. <laughs> whatever we, we see it all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, that does not dictate the value of basically something that can't be quantified. Like our art is invaluable. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. That actually, you know, even on a personal note, that makes me feel really good because, uh, you know, like I said, creative sensibility, artistic sensibility with what I'm doing. But, you know, it's metrics, it's, it's numbers. It's like, how many downloads did this one get? It's like, uh, it's like, what was the conversation impactful? Did, um, as I find, like, it's this quotient that might be weird, might be weird, but I think one of the things that we all look for in some regard is love. And I think that that's the thing that I'm kind of like looking at is more value when people yes. come up to me and say, yo, you Rob, you did the thing. I say, hey, man, what's up? I'm trying to finish this coffee. What's up, man? Yeah. And that, that feels good versus some anonymous downloads that if we really look at it, can't really quantify some of that stuff. No. It's not real. Yeah, totally. I think about that, too. And I had a moment a few years ago where I was like so close to quitting because, you know, I was talking with these ac experts in the magazine, something downloads, subscribers, followers, whatever. And I was like, I'm just not measuring up. Like, I'm doing everything I can with my budget, with my small team. And I just don't feel like I'm doing it. And my partner, my boyfriend, um, who's been with me through this whole roller coaster, he was like, well, what is your purpose? Like, what is the reason why you started it? And I'm like, to support artists. He's like, have you supported at least one artist? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, then you're doing it. Like, it's not that number. It, it is like you said, it's the love. It's giving love to our community and also, you know, receiving it. Because, like, for you, maybe the person you interviewed is their first podcast and they feel so honored. And for us, like, the first time someone got published, it's, like, the best feeling to hear that story and yeah. to see how you impacted and gave confidence to someone else to keep going. 100%. So... I, so this is this is one of the things I wanted to go into a little bit about your your work or what have you. So let's talk about um, process in terms of like the stages, right? So when you're you're taking on like a, a new project, you're going to work on let's say a new painting or what have you. Where do you start? What's something that's in the middle, and what is towards that kind of ending state? Because you know painters. Uh, never yeah. quite done. Never, no. never really done. I just so. had to chip them away, so I stopped messing with it. <laughs> like, I can do this one. Nah, put it down. Just put the pen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, I when I think about my process, it's always just like daydreaming. I have to give myself space to literally walk and think. I usually just go out to our park and just walk and think. And then the ideas come. And for this specific show that I was just finishing up um, that's opening soon, uh, I took me a few months to like get clear on the idea because I was painting a lot from my room and from my life and I wanted to have something like a little more dreamy a little bit more out there and luxurious just to give myself that like aspirational feeling because this is like a dream come true for me uh so just gathering old images I paint from like 
sketches and found images and images that I took. I have like a whole thing in my phone and <laughs> computer. Um, and then just gathering, sketching, dreaming, looking at history, like looking, going to a museum even, or uh, looking through different history, art history books, and then finally getting clear and deciding like how many pieces, sizes, and all that. And then honestly, the middle is just the work. <laughs> the messy, uncomfortable, stressful, scary stuff. And then at the end, just Usually it's the timeline, so right. time ends, and then you just have to let go. <laughs> the imbroglio of the middle. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, some of the words that I read, and I think you, you touched on one of them a moment ago, uh, ethereal, dreamlike, and, and familiar with the respect to your paintings. So for, for you, what are some of the adjectives that come to mind for you? Like, what are three adjectives that come to mind for you that you're aiming for maybe in your work? I think for me, coziness, belonging, and... I like I think dreaming is a big one because a lot of my work is about sort of imagining and dreaming and that's seeing it coming to my actual reality is like manifesting like art yeah. can be part of like our manifesting process too just like writing or journaling so um, I think dreaming is a big one a coziness something that I've been like chasing after is that sense of belonging, being an immigrant, you know, not yeah. having my own room when I was growing up and all those things. Like, that's why I think I'm so obsessed with rooms because like, I'm just like, oh, this girl has her own room. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like the coolest thing. So I always had that fantasy of like space and belonging and like being really safe somewhere. Yeah. We're in our own space right now. Yeah, I so. know. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, I had a thought um, walking. That's definitely something I've incorporated in. just kind of when I get to a place, usually I'm go, go, go get the coffee, get to where you're going, set up. And I was like, no, let me walk. So when I come up here to Philly and I, I take the train up, I walk from 30th to over here. And I go to this coffee shop, what have you, grab a coffee, and I had a ridiculous coffee and some, like, cream donut this morning. I was Ooh. like, this is, this is great. <laughs> but, you know, kind of walking around, and I, I had this sort of observation of, you know, I hear it at times, like, we're not sure where you're from. Like, I'm from, from Baltimore, and I'm a Baltimore guy. But I've had people say, you're not from there. I was like, I am. I assure you I am. <laughs> and it's kind of one of these things of, you know, taking, taking like, inventory and an advantage of being an outsider because it enables me to kind of slide in, not in a insidious way, but a, enable me to kind of fit into a different spot, have conversations with people, and maybe grow from that and have a different perspective, a new perspective on a location. So it's like this this idea of, I think it's I think it's in Austin Cleon's book, but he talks about this this idea of when you encounter the master with a problem, they've seen it before, mm -hmm. so they're they're not worried about it. They already got past that. But if you approach things as a novice, you're able to like approach it from different ways, different angles, maybe unused angles in the past. So using that sort of like idea. How do you approach things and keep it like fresh when you're encountering? Because you do coaching, so mm -hmm. when you're encountering things, you're like, "Alright, did that." Mm -hmm. But it's like, how do you keep that perspective fresh and new to come into it with like a fresh set of eyes, despite it being something that you may have encountered before? Yeah, I love that metaphor of like I, that's when I travel. That's one of my favorite things. Just people watching with a coffee, like <laughs> it makes you feel like you belong there. I don't know something magical, and I love Austin Kleon too. I think with coaching, it's 
yes, I've been there. I know I could tell someone what to do. And, you know, coaching is not about that at all. It's like giving the person the space to figure it out. But I think the biggest thing is what you said. It's that perspective shift. It's like having them see, step out of, like, their limiting box that, where they have blinders and they can only see the problem, but introducing them to different ways of thinking or examples of people who had similar problems. You know, not necessarily me being like, I did this. We <laughs> should do this. Because like, that doesn't work for everyone, yeah. um, given all our cultural backgrounds and, you know, stories and things that we've gone through. So I think just giving people space and encouraging them to to see their own options. Like, because we all have, you know, three, 360 degrees around us. We just don't see it sometimes. And we need someone to just, like, remind us to look at it a different way. Yeah. And, yeah, I think focusing on the problem, of course, that keeps us in the problem. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I see, like, it's almost this this push, and I don't know who's behind it, right? But it's almost this push to have everything figured out, have everything solved, and like figure it out at like 25, figure it out like 20. And absolutely. At, at, at times, my partner, she'll remind me, and she, she's older than I am, so she has a different perspective. So that, that same thing. She's the one that really put that bug in my ear initially. <laughs> it's like, you know that issue that you're having right now? Mm, you've had that issue before that it was the worst thing ever. She's like, you got past that one, so you're going to get past this one. I was like, oh, okay, it's a good perspective. And she'll remind me, she's like, you know Harrison Ford, how great he is? And like, wasn't he like in his like late 30s when he got on? She's like, I think you're doing fine. Yeah. And and that's that's one of those things, but there's so many so much noise out there. And I think for me, and a lot of people maybe, it leads to a block. And I think you were touching on it earlier. I didn't hit these metrics. I didn't hit these numbers and so on. And you almost want to leave it. And I run into that on occasion. And I always joke about podcasting being the most stable relationship I've ever been in. Longest relationship, <laughs> but most stable. So when you encounter some of those like kind of creative blocks, those, those, those bumps, like really, and I, and I think you touched on it, but what are some of those like things that you do to really get past it, to come back and say, let me reset. Like, if you know your day is going left, like, do you just say, you know, I'm going to take a shower, I'm going to reset, I'm going to have a, a different coffee, you know, whatever the thing is. How do you reset? Oh, my gosh. All the time, every day <laughs> to reset. <laughs> yeah, I love that perspective. Thank you so much for sharing. I think I just had one of those days this week. So I was facing my own little challenge recently, and I'll share it. It's been that I've been running this business, and I have a, a lot of flexibility, and I've kind of figured out a flow, especially the past two years being at home. Like, I have all the time in the world to work on it. But this year, I had this amazing opportunity. Alicia and I wrote our second book, and I had um, my show. I had actually, like, three shows this year. So I faced this new challenge where I couldn't rely on the things that were bringing revenue because they required more of me where I had to be available for my creative projects. And I, I really had to problem solve. And there were a few times where I literally, like you said, I had to take a shower or go for a walk. And actually even this week, you know, I'm almost like the, the pinnacle, like <laughs> the, the climax of a movie. It's like, what is happening? And, you know, I, I, I really leaned in on my faith a lot too. I woke up, um, I had like a weird email from someone that just set the, the mood like, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> then Instagram crashed and I just saw all these followers going down, like literally like 3000 followers Oof. just falling off my account. And I'm like, okay, God, like what the hell is this? And then, and then I was like, okay, still have this issue that I need to resolve. I still need to figure this thing out in my business. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I did everything I could. I know I did. I showed mm -hmm. up. 
I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. These are dreams that came true. There's no way that they're given to me so that I can, you know, destroy my life for them. Like, that makes no sense. I don't believe that. So I just took my dog to the park. I came back, and I got, like, three clients sign on, and then Instagram was fixed. I was like, okay, lesson, walk away. (laughs) Don't obsess. Don't, like, keep checking or... Like, I know for me, the solution is not going to be me scrolling or refreshing my email. That's not where the solution is going to come from. I think the solution comes from us listening to our own inner wisdom. You know, if you're a spiritual connecting with God or universe, giving space and not being in it. Like, literally mm-hmm. stepping away and seeing, like I said, all the opportunities. And then usually something happens, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of times it feels miraculous. But the truth is, like, I planted all those seeds. Yeah months ago and they're just now coming forward so um, for me it's always a lesson in stepping away and not obsessing yeah I've, I've had that and thank you for, for sharing that uh, I've had similar things where you know it's, it's a lot of moving parts and you know like I, I was telling someone the other day I was like I have pretty much an episode per day coming out for the rest of the year that's awesome and yeah thank you and it was uh, a few interviews I had to reschedule, and I'm very communicative. I'm like, hey, you know, looking forward to a blah, blah, blah. And it's a nice chunk of people who never just show up for the interview. So wow. when I have, like, this space or something booked or what have you, you know, that's, you know. So I remember I got, like, a weird, like, back-to-back-to-back nasty emails about me rescheduling. I was just like. You never came. I was like, (laughs) yeah. I was like, you never came or, you know, do you know how this works? And it kind of just puts this vibe out there. I was like. I'm doing this for this reason. And it's just like, mm. and then I get a little petty. I mm-hmm. must admit, I like being petty. It's okay. I think you have to let it out or it'll just like build up. <laughs> I, looked, I looked and I was like, yo, bro, you got a thousand followers. So I think I'm all set. And I was like, ah, but I was like, it's out there. So now I don't have to hold on to it anymore. Yep. Just got to let it out. I feel you. I get petty too. So, <laughs> it's just important to like, or like have a person, like I always vent to my partner. He yeah. like, I, I never let anyone see this part of me except for him. <laughs> he sees the worst of me, but he also like, you know, we have a good relationship. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I show all the, like, it's just, I feel like there's like a Patreon podcast, just me being petty. He's the odd scene. <laughs> like, Maybe we know. should do an episode of just like, let ourselves be petty. <laughs> uh, I, I could work. I mean, I have a lot of Capricorn pettiness. <laughs> So I got I got uh, three more real questions, and then we'll get to those rapid fire ones. And you, you remarked on it a little bit earlier of like what I kind of took from it of having like a limitation in, in what you're doing. Um, and I think you know some of the best work we don't ask the question of whether it's paint, whether, whether it's painting, whether it's like music, whatever it might be. We don't ask the questions of wow, how did you put that in there all the time? We also ask. Why did you leave that out? What parts did you leave out? So what sort of limitations do you put into your work? Hmm, that's a great question. I think for me, there's two limitations that always kind of been part of it is one, like learning a new skill or solving a problem, especially with painting. Like if you just can't get your brain to your hands to connect. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, those are usually some of the most interesting parts. Like they're <laughs> like, like I just couldn't figure it out, but now it looks weird, but it's kind of cool. So being open to those limitations, like embracing them, because I think that's what makes our work unique, not yeah. being perfect. Like if everyone, you know, worked exactly the same way, uh, life would be very boring. And then the other limitation is usually resources. <laughs> so I'm a little crazy. I will admit this. Not everyone has as much risk tolerance. Like I can, if I really believe in something and I see it, I'm willing to like invest things I don't have into it. Sure. And I don't suggest that to people, but it's been working for me in a way like you just have to really be in tune with your intuition. Um, 
sometimes things don't work though and I have to know that and I have to like not get too upset when it doesn't work out but I think like skill which is something we can always build and we can always grow and I think when we get to those limitations that's the only way to find out what we're missing so we can go back improve learn and you know get support with that and with resources there's always a way always (laughs) Always a way way. (laughs) I, I have this like prevailing belief because I like to be the dude behind the scenes when you know, I have a salary, I have a day job and all of that. And w- when there's an opportunity to get a couple extra funds, I like to hit up a few artists. I know young artists, obviously, just like, what's your cash at, bro? And just slot something over. And, you know, when it's one of those kind of like tougher months for me, because it's like I'm arts adjacent, as it were. I'm like, eh, eh you never sort it out. That's, that's kind of what that believe is. It's like, it'll happen. Yeah. You know? Totally. Make You make the art, you make the work with the resources that are available, whether it's the time, whether it's the financial resources, or even the space, you figure it out. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that helped me was when I finally let go of my ego of like, uh, when I first graduated, I had to paint on the floor. We had no room. I had no money. So like I would go, I worked at IHOP at the time and I would get my like salary in the morning after serving breakfast and I would, whatever was left after I paid my bills, I would like buy a tube of paint <laughs> or a canvas. Like it was like literally one thing at a time. Yeah. And now I can like buy in bulk, which is amazing. But at the time I was like, okay, can't get my ego get in the way. I'm still an artist, even if I'm like scrapping this one painting together. Yeah. Um, but it taught me a lot. It taught me how much you can really do with little. So yeah, it's like, I got this egg money. I'm gonna get this yeah. tube real quick. <laughs> this pancake money. <laughs> so I read that home, place, belonging, and you touched on it earlier, um, and, and, and identity or themes within your work. Um, looking back on some of your earlier work, what are some of the feelings that, that come to you, and what are some of the feelings that come to you with your more recent work? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I was kind of, I was much more sad. Um, <laughs> and I was also trying to find my place. So I didn't, I was a little homeless in college, not like actually homeless, but I just didn't have, I couldn't afford student housing. So I skipped around and I lived in people's basements and spare rooms. So I was like really longing for a place, like literally and physically like needed space. So it makes sense why I started painting interiors. But actually at the beginning, it was more like actual places from my old childhood in Russia. Um, And these days I'm very comfortable. So (laughs) thank God. Um, Now I'm more like, you know, stretching myself and seeing like what's what's out there, what's possible with the new work is like definitely more aspirational and dreamy versus like reflecting back on like little cottages and tiny rooms, um, which both I find really beautiful. But I think it's like, as I grow, maybe like the meaning expands a little bit and it's, it's a little happier now. So that's good. That is good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the term home, like what is and, I, and I'm thinking really broad, really, mm-hmm. but uh, what is home for you, and how do you bring home with you? Because I think like I'm up here doing a series of interviews, but I'm very much a guy from Baltimore, and I bring that with me, and I want to bring that wherever I go, and that may mean it's not like I'm spraying and sprinkling obey on myself, but it is, you know, <laughs> certain perspectives, certain characteristics, things of the sort. So for you, how do you like? view the concept of home and how do you bring home with you? I love that. Yeah, I can feel that. I feel very comfortable with you. So you definitely do. I think, yeah, like you said, it's what it's for me, it's like a routine almost like I always get up, have my coffee, do like a little prayer meditation thing. So it's like not changing who you are and what you do and learning to like adapt to wherever you are. Right. Like there's things like 
journaling that can be done anywhere. You don't have to be anywhere specific, but just having that sense of belonging and not morphing so much the environment, obviously being respectful and adjusting, but like really being grounded in who you are. Um, and then it's funny talking about home now, we're looking for, for a house right now. <laughs> so I'm like, what is home? But I feel at home all the time too. Like I can be anywhere. And I think it is that connection with self, connection with your spirituality um, and coffee. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Coffee has to be a part of it. <laughs> So this is the the last question, and this is more uh, shameless plugging. So um, what's next? What's next for you? Thank you. Thanks for the plug. Um, so I have a solo show at Cole Gallery in Paris, opening on November seventeenth through December third. I'm so this is definitely like one of my biggest dreams come true. Um, a lot of our family and friends are flying over, so it's going to be like super epic. And then Alicia and I, uh, we wrote our book, which is coming out in May twenty twenty three, and this will help any creative business owner really just. From beginning to scaling their business to six figures to make it work, make it happen, learn from our mistakes, and also just get practical like apps and tools and strategies for launching things. So we're so excited. It's going to be awesome. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. <laughs> so so with that, I think it's time for us to dive into some rapid fire questions. Um, they're, they're, they're fun. Uh, don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. I'm, don't overthink I'm them. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, I'm going to start off with this one. Uh, what do you enjoy most about your work? The freedom. I like the freedom. Yeah. Favorite place in Philadelphia to get, grab a bite to eat? Ooh. Ooh. Always going to ask food questions. Ooh. <laughs> this is a hard one. Okay, I actually really love the Vietnamese district. The, like on Washington Ave, Faha is like a very good Vietnamese place. Um, and then I'm trying to think of where do we go? Oh, my gosh, it's been forever since I've gone out. I also come back to you. I like the dandelion. It's cute. Like I'm more of a vibey person. I like when there's like an atmosphere. So, um, What do you take in your coffee? Cream. Whether I don't care which kind, it could be oat, almond, or regular milk. <laughs> okay. But I like to froth it, and I like to add cinnamon. <laughs> see, see, there's a drink called the Rob Lee in Baltimore. It's it's basically a nice coffee that includes a uh, a bunch of cinnamon and simple yes. syrup. Oh my god, I'll have to try that. I yeah. love cinnamon in my coffee. I just literally carry it with me everywhere. And I <laughs> always got that thing on me. <laughs> I love it. Are you more cautious when it comes to your art, when it comes to coaching, when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Are you more cautious or bold? I would say bold. Yeah, go big yeah. or go home. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you do with good reviews? What do you do with bad reviews? Good reviews, I love to screenshot and save for a bad day. <laughs> bad reviews... Like bless and delete. <laughs> yeah. and, and lastly, um, and, I, and I think I, you touched on it, but if you have a new, if you have a different one than one that comes to mind, especially um, with you know a show coming up and new projects coming up on the way, uh, do you have any creative rituals, like those sort of like daily rituals? Another book reference. Yeah, I think just drinking coffee and writing. <laughs> Honestly, that just sitting, like lighting a candle, having my coffee, journaling, and just letting being, being. That's a perfect ritual for me. Very simple. Very, I love it. Very cheap. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so that's kind of it for the questions. And I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I want to um, invite you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, where to check out Create, all the projects. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. So you can find me at on Instagram usually at Katarina Espapova. Our magazine is createmagazine.com. And you can see all the links to our podcast, our books, our magazines. And social media is also Create Magazine. And if you're interested in the coaching, it's Art Queens, the Art Queens on Instagram. So thank you so much. Thank you.
Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Kat Popova for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Oh,